Blog Talk Radio. There was a time I was so afraid, so scared to do what I wanted. In looking back, I can see all the mistakes that I made, and I wish that I could talk to me and tell me I can change. Don't be afraid. Just walk with your Welcome to Blog Talk Radio Safe Recovery. This is Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. Today is March 10th, 2015, and it has been four long years. Wow, I think it's been, it was March of 2011 that I began this show. And four, I can't believe that. Four years have passed, and there's some 202,000 downloads and listens free. And you can go onto iTunes and listen. You can listen to it, download it on your computer and listen later, or listen to it while you're walking around or on your bike or driving on your iPhone or on any of your electronics. Um, I would love to say please go over to iTunes if you like the show and give us a shout-out and give me a review. There's some haters over there. So it'd be nice to have some people who like the show. I know people listen to the show. Today, I decided to do a show that people could call in. Uh, you're going to call in to 818-475-9211. And um, there is somebody in the queue. I don't know if somebody is ready to talk right away. Let me see episode info. So we're, the, you know, nurses, doctors, and pilots forced, coerced, extorted to Alcoholics Anonymous. People are shocked. I've been hearing stories from, uh, I think one was a pilot who said when he, in fact, I know it was a pilot who explained when he was attending meetings that he actually was forced to attend. And a member said, oh, they can't do that. And he said, well, they are. Like, if I don't play this game, I'm not going to be able to fly again. And then the person, like, kind of cocked their head and like a puppy and was like, what? You know, and it's kind of interesting how naive many AA members are there's certainly decent people out there that are AA members. I know some of them. Uh, but there is this thing that goes on in America with anyone who has a licensure, and that would be the biggest ones that are kind of in my face right now, are nurses, doctors, and pilots. I spoke to a nurse and I spoke to a doctor at length over this past week, and it was pretty heartbreaking. You know, I feel like um, there is uh, a lot that needs to be exposed and so there, for those of you who don't know, there is a lawsuit brewing for the pilots, and you go to Brent Wyrock, his website, okay? And he's on Facebook, he's on Twitter, 
and they have a go on there and you click on and then they have a group of attorneys that are forming that have already formed together that are going to do that lawsuit. Now, um the nurse who contacted me, she contacted me on Facebook and we talked and then she sent me her, you know, more of her information is also being forwarded to that same group of lawyers and I do think that they are going to uh take a look at that. That would be a class action lawsuit. It's really really sad. Now, I I posted for those of you like to go on to we have a new of what do you call it a new Facebook page called deprogramming from AA or any 12-step group and I created that group it's a closed group but you can request and you can get in there so that there was wouldn't be any you know kind of fighting or attacking people really very specific about deprogramming and you can ask questions so I just want to read, I'm going to start with this. I, I said, because um, somebody, well, actually, there's a guy who I would really like to have on the show. He's not ready to be on it. He's a regular civilian, and he needed help. And he has a really sad, horrible story where he wound up, you know, checking himself into a psych ward. And I, I feel like I'm repeating this, but I just think it's so tragic. And after he didn't like AA, after the simple uh, treatment near him that was outpatient was also filled with 12-steppers finds himself in a psych ward and guys in white coats are telling him you know you got to do AA and he was like I want to kill myself and it's just really bad you know this is not 1935 or 45 I have a friend she she wouldn't be here if it wasn't for science and you know the great research they've done on the heart and all how far they've come and it's time for this to happen with alcohol and drug overuse issues and substance issues, that this stops being this one-size-fits-all. As uh, Dr. Jaffe says in my film, you know, we have to move far, far away from this notion that there is just this one-size-fits-all. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the film. The film is going to be released this year. It's going to be released this summer whether I self-release it or I get real distribution in the United States. Uh, I'm going to go to Europe in May, and and when I come back, and maybe even before then, but the plan is when I come back, uh, we'll see what happens there, that I will plan, depending on, I'm getting a lot of answers, answers and rejections from film festivals now. We'll see where I wind up, which ones say yes to me. And uh, from there, I will... You know, there's lots of places that I can show this movie, and uh, independent theaters, in libraries, and film independent, like at LACMA, I realize that there are in museums, they have, you know, theaters, smaller theaters, and uh, it's not about making the money here for me, it's about getting this film out. But here is, I, I have to read this, and so if you are if you are in the queue, and you want to talk to me, and you are from the area code 267, if there's any way that you could raise your, I think there's a way you can raise your hand or you could go into the chat room and say, yes, um, I would like to talk or text me at 310-339-0024 and say I want to talk or no, I'm just in the queue listening. I can't tell uh, whether you want to or not. So, um, okay, I want to read this post though. So this is, I said, what is the worst rehab experience you ever had? Please post the names of the rehab and the counselors if you choose, sort of like Yelp. Okay, and um, so here's what a pilot wrote. 
I went to a home. I went to Venice, Florida. I did what I was told and attended many AA meetings while I waited to see if I could get into another 28-day program since I did not satisfactorily complete the first one. I checked into the Willow in Naples, Florida on August 28th in 2012. I finished reading my big book and attended all scheduled meetings. A typical day at the Willow consisted of sitting in a classroom in a modified 7-Eleven store and filling out pamphlets. Wow. We were seldom given time with medical staff and counselors. We were told to conduct AA meetings in the evenings. These meetings were self-proctored. There, were, there was a tech who would occasionally come in and make sure we were reading the literature. I found this therapy completely ineffective. Well, it's not a, a therapy, <laughs> right? So, yeah, it's not effective. On one evening at the Willow, I decided to take a nap during the meeting hour. I was told to attend the evening AA meeting or I would be written up because if you do not attend, we cannot bill your insurance, in quotes. There was active prescription trading among the patients, and several were sent away or arrested after failing drug tests and trading Suboxone. I recall two patients who were caught having sex in the laundry room of the renovated 1950s hotel we called home during our incarceration. Now, I want to tell you he was actually not incarcerated. This is not a jail. I will go on. I felt like an animal. We all felt like caged animals. During lunch hour, a truck delivered a rather unimpressive array of lunch meat sandwiches. For recreation therapy, we bounced a beach ball back and forth. I graduated and received my Willow AA medallion. I was told to immediately start a 90 and 90 as the prior meetings I had attended did not count. So I don't know if you're listening, but I, I know you know who, if you are the pilot, I'm going to actually leave your name out of this. Did you pay for this? Was this one of the places that you were told to go through the FAA and through the Pilots Association? How much was paid for this crap? Man, you know what? If if I... It, it, there's another film that I know somebody has already made exposing rehab, but what I have learned, and this is re- barely touched on in my film about rehab, it's a couple of sentences, you know, um, I would do another film if I got funding uh, to deal with an exposed rehab in the United States. It is just an abomination. It is absolutely so messed up. I just I can't tell you. So um, here it is. Uh, there are a few people that have logged in. It's kind of quiet in the chat room um, today. And, um, you know, here we go. Oh, hi there. It's uh, Seth. Um, there's somebody else in the chat room. Hey there. So if you want to call in and you have a question or you have a comment about what's happening with nurses and doctors and pilots, uh, I'm going to have somebody else on soon. They weren't quite ready to speak yet today and oh yeah we're going to have um andrew tatarski on next week it's going to be at a different time though because he's really busy i guess he has a session or something so he's going to be on at eight o'clock next tuesday pacific standard time which means that it's five o'clock no i have it wrong um if it's eight o'clock my time eight o'clock his time sorry five six seven eight five o'clock west coast time and we just changed our clocks right so i'm a little bit turned around. 5 o'clock West Coast time and 8 o'clock East Coast time. We're going to do a show with a um, you know, really strong uh, harm reduction guy who's been uh, in the addiction recovery. Uh, let, let me just change that wording. 
he's been dealing with uh, harm reduction for 30 years. Let me just not use the word uh, addiction, recovery. Hey there. Uh, I just was uh, just talked about your story. There was something on Facebook that you wrote that I really was blown away by. So I'm going to just see if this caller wants to talk or they just want to listen. <clears throat> Hi, caller. You're live. Do you want to listen or did you want to say something? Yes, hi. I'd love to say hello, Monica. This is uh, Lily in Philadelphia. Hi, Lily. How are you? Oh, good. Thank you, and thank you so much for your work. I am a registered nurse who's in a state monitoring program that mandates a 12-step meeting attendance as part of um, my treatment plan in order to save my professional license. Wow. And that includes, um, yeah, that's, that's. I mean, I understand the need for monitoring, but I'm in, uh, I will be monitored for three years, and that included going to therapy. I did go to a 12-step facilitated rehab that I'm in their outpatient program, and part of what they mandate is uh, 90 meetings in 90 days. Oh, my God. And then proof of attendance of a minimum of three meetings per week, for the duration of the three years of monitoring, and this oh is in addition to, <laughs> in addition oh. to um, kind of therapy, group therapy, and individual fee, and of course random urine drug testing. And I, again, I have no problems with the monitoring, but you know, being forced to attend twelve-step meetings, it's just not for me. I mean, I personally have found great tools for recovery with the SMART program and with the Women for Sobriety program. Mm -hmm. Um, AA is definitely not a one-size-fits-all, and no other options were offered in the rehab I went to. Mm -hmm. No other options were offered in the outpatient setting as well. I mean, it's just strictly 12 steps only. And I'm ordered by the state to attend this specific type of meeting, and that's where I have a a real ethical problem with that. I mm-hmm. You have a real, yeah, you have a real case. Uh, so this is in Pennsylvania, right? Yes, and this mm-hmm. goes as far as I know. Doctors, pharmacists, nurses, anyone who holds any any kind of license with the state, veterinary techs, dental techs, anyone, if you want mm-hmm. to save your license, you have to attend this type of meeting. Wow. Now, would you, have you fought it along the way? Like, if you have told them, um, "I don't like this, and this is religious, and I want to, I want to do this instead," you have actually this is in violation of my First Amendment. Have you done that along the way anywhere? I'm not well. I'm finally willing to speak out because, you know, at first, I mean, I was just wanted to do whatever was necessary to mm-hmm. get better and to save my license. I mean, I do have my master's degree. It's pretty much worthless if they take my license to practice nursing away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they kind of count on that because most of the people, they don't want to make waves. Mm-hmm. They just want to save their license, get on with their mm-hmm. their lives. I'm fortunate because I don't have a mortgage to pay. I don't have children at home. So mm-hmm. I can coast. I mean, I can work somewhere else. But most people are dependent on, you know, their licenses to be able to to work in the field that they love or the field that they need to find it to to meet their financial obligations. 
But now yeah. I mean, I'm over a year in the program, and I'm willing to speak out because I mean I understand it's it's a huge it's a huge ethical violation, mm-hmm. and the order is coming from the state, mm. the board of um, professional health monitoring, health license monitoring. Uh, the board of I'm writing it down. The board um, of professional health monitoring. Professional Health Monitoring Program, I believe that falls under the uh, Bureau of Occupational Affairs that mm. covers, you know, all licensed people in this state. I can look that up right quick. Mm, that's um, interesting. Have you, uh, oh boy, it, you know, I I just am so shocked by all of this. I mean, I remember the first doctor, which was Michael Langan, that I spoke to and interviewed, uh, and then the deeper we all went in understanding about the ASAM and with the pilots, you could really see how bogus it is. Like even the, uh, to give you an example, first of all, thank you for calling in, Lily. It was, you know, it's good to have somebody who's really experiencing this come in and call in on this show. But the weird thing about the uh, pilots thing is called the HIMS program. Let me just type it in here. Because Brent Weirich, uh, when I want to hear what's going on, you know, with you. But if you, when you realize what this stood for, it's the human. What's it called again? The Human Intervention Motivation Study. Really, it's not a mm. study. NASA was created in 1973 or 74. I think it was way back then. I know somebody who helped. Uh, do this with, uh, oh my God, it's just horrible to think that I actually know the person who might have helped create this in Hawaii with Pan American, but um, have you taken the steps, have you talked to the lawyers with Brent in that group yet? I've, yes, I've forwarded some of my um, my contracts with, to Brent, and even before I met you through Facebook and the, the the groups that you're working with, I had no idea the pilots face the same uh, restrictions and mandated 12-step attendance the way medical mm-hmm. professionals do. Mm-hmm. And to the best of my knowledge, that is nationwide, but it's um, regulated by each state. I understand for nurses in Florida, it's a minimum five years. New Jersey, five years. Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, they start you with three years. But any infraction against your contract, like a positive drug screen or failure to call in on a day for your drug screen, um, gets additional, or any kind of relapse, of course, gets additional time put onto your contract. And at that point, you are asked to do, you know, you are told to do another 90 and 90 12 step meetings. I was kind of shocked that you self reported. Why did you self report? It's like really none of their business. Like you had a beer or something, or you had something. Why did you even self report to such knuckleheads? Well, you know, on my relapse, because um, I did relapse just um, because I was really truly trying to get better, and I had bought into. Mm-hmm. I had a whole year of all this this AA mm-hmm. philosophy in my head, and you know, the point of being rigorously honest um, oh, uh-huh. and do the right thing. And I, I right. really tried, but the the program's fundamentally flawed. I mean, just just being an impaired medical professional, we live. I live with a you know tremendous amount of shame and guilt because. Yeah, I should know better. Yes, I am held to a higher standard, like your pilots. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they use that the, to their advantage. Um, and, you know, the 12-step meetings just, I, I got progressively more and more depressed, which is what led, you know, as part of, you know, 
the events that led up to my relapse. Um, because I am not a selfish person. I'm not a self-centered person. I mean, most of us, we've been in service. We go into healthcare to help other people. Right. And to be told repeatedly that you're selfish, um, self-centered, and that you know you think you're God or you think you're the center of the universe, I have never felt like that. I think that's right. an issue too for for women. I mean, a very few of us actually have ever thought we're the center of the universe. Yeah, the program usually, is clearly developed by men. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that nurse. I mean, my mother's a nurse, and I oh, my. Wow. My brother, yeah, she became a um, an RN when I was a little girl. She went back to school and became a nurse practitioner. And my brother's wife is a nurse. And I know how long, you know, how long, you know, I mean, how hard, not how long, but how hard nurses worked in the beginning for very little money. And then over the years, how that union became very strong. And now a nursing, um, you know, person can make very, very good money. And so let me ask you this, because uh, actually one of the pilots, I think it was Brent, talked, you know, told me how much money uh, he's been out, and it's up to a million dollars. And one of the other pilots, who I think called in early on, uh, they, you know, it's he makes up for like to two hundred seventy thousand dollars a year. Uh, so, and they also were forcing the pilots to really expensive rehabs, where you know they know they. I mean, this game is really big money game. Hazleton, and then there were these other really crappy places, like the place that I just read. I'm going to find out from Jonathan if this was, you know, what what this place cost. If it's anything like Colorado, you know, Anthem Blue Cross paid paid for her, you know, staying in Action Family, which is just a joke. Thousand dollars a day they paid. She could have gone to Practical Recovery. She could have gone to, you know, there's higher end, nicer places. So if you don't mind me asking, like, what are you out of here? Like, what? How, how has this affected you? And, and and share with me only what you're comfortable sharing or talking about. But what, what did they? What is it out for you financially? What does this cost you oh, or someone else God. like you? To preserve my sanity, I'm trying not to keep a running total. But uh, rehab facilities here, the good ones are anywhere from eleven thousand to twenty-five thousand dollars for a twenty-eight day stay. Um. And they are all 12-step facilitated, but that's not even made clear in their brochures. Um, they all offer comprehensive, holistic, you know, you know, all these wonderful words are in their brochures. But when you get in there, you're basically, you know, you learn some about, you know, the disease process of alcoholism. Um, Mm, there's some things from loss counseling, but every night, yeah, there's a there's a mandatory 12-step meeting. There's mandatory work on on the first three steps. Oh my god! And then the out yeah, and then there's the outpatient. There's intensive outpatient, which is uh, two and a half hours per session, three times a week for six weeks, and then you step down to the general outpatient, which is one group therapy session and one individual session a week until told otherwise. Now the contract that I signed with the state, which I signed while I was actually in the rehab, and I was desperately wanted to make things right. You know, I desperately wanted to just get better and do whatever the state told me to do. And now, reading back over this contract, I basically said I, I agree to therapy until the therapist says I'm done. Oh boy! And then with the the um, the, the drug testing, mm-hmm. and you're called for typically two to three times a month. Um, so you have to be available during daytime hours to go to a testing center and have your urine 
um, tested, and those tests, there's um, 10 different options, and they range from $32 to $103, and that's an out-of-pocket expense. Wow. Um, who owns who owns those drug testing? I know, but I want to know if you know. And the I want to talk full about three this. years. The drug well, testing. Who, who owns what's the company's name? The well, um, in this state, we use First Lab, and they report directly to uh, PHMP, the um, the state monitoring professional health monitoring program. And there are subgroups of that. PHMP has everybody, but then there are subgroups, like I belong to PNAP, which is the Pennsylvania Nurse uh, Peer Association Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, pharmacists are in another group. The MDs are, are in another group. And they pretty much are like the clearinghouse. I mean, I report everything to my PNAP case manager, who then forwards it to the state. Mm-hmm. Um, out-of-pocket expenses, I mean, a lot of nurses are having trouble finding work because you have to disclose to your employer or any potential employer the fact that you are in this program and provide that person with a copy of your complete contract. It's a 25 contract. Um, And and, and in today's market, it's difficult because they're faced with a a potential employee that's free and clear as opposed to someone who has all all this baggage and is a... I call it. We call it the scarlet letter A. You're you're wearing this addict, alcoholic letter around your neck. You know they're going to choose the candidate that's free and clear, even though that person may or may not have an un, undisclosed, you know, drug problem. At least you know the monitored nurses are. You know, we can pretty much guarantee you that we're going to be drug free. Now, in, um, in the nurse, but if that world, causes, I'm sorry. Um, I just want to. So, so I just want to put out there. So doctors are committing suicide. It's going to be a big piece coming out mm. really soon. In 10 more days, it's going to break, and I'll, I'll put it all everywhere, blogs and all over Facebook, uh, where an investigative journalist has interviewed uh, the families of the doctors who have con- who would rather kill themselves than go to more AA meetings. And um, oh so I, I know from a pilot, I've only known, you know, some only, only one person told me that they know one woman who was a pilot who threw herself in front of um, a train rather than, you know, she was so devastated by what happened and doesn't want to go down that, I'm broken, I'm sick forever, um, you're self-centered, and you know, the whole mm-hmm. day garbage, right? Now, nurses, and I think that when you look at these three types of people, pilots are a certain type, right, and then you have the doctor, and his, his, he's driven by something to become a doctor, and nurses, for the most part, now there's Nurse Ratchet, you know, when you first started talking, I started thinking about, Who's at the top of all this? Who's at the Who's at the top of the board of nursing? Does she look like Nurse Ratchet from that movie with Jack Nicholson? You know, <laughs> yes. That was so long. Ago. I kind of think she might like a stepper bitch who's like got thirty five years now, or maybe she's even sober forty years, and she has that face like she really needs Botox really badly. She needs to get drunk and she needs <laughs> to have sex like really badly, right? Okay, but. We don't. I don't know. That's the story. But that's what I, in my mind's eye, as you were speaking, I could see this type of woman. Now I've known women who were in my old meeting. There was one who was a nurse, and I, I do. I don't really know if she was ever, you know, a point. How she came into the program 25 years ago, but I'm. I would ask now. I'm really curious. 
But do you understand what, like, a lot of nurses are, like, they want to help. They wanted to take care of people and, and like, doctors where pilots are, like, more of that, you know, yeah, I'm going to get up and I want to fly. And, you know, they're more of that, you know, the top gun energy. And, and But there's a lot of, back to the point, is, which is the doctors are killing themselves, which is why this is the first part of the story that's going to get told in the press. And I have contacted an award-winning documentary filmmaker to see if he will help me tell this story about doctors and pilots and, and now nurses, because now I do think it needs to be exposed, because quite honestly, I really don't want, never mind, it doesn't matter what I want at this point, but so let's get back to you. So do you know nurses that are killing themselves behind this, committing suicide? No, not personally, but, you know, we're, we're driven by, you know, that same by compassion, by caring. There's advanced practice nurses as well that, have, you know, are, are in this program. You know, your, your nurse practitioners, your nurse anesthetists. Um, a lot of people are leaving. Like, if you're close enough to retirement, um, mm-hmm. they just walk away from the, the profession. Mm-hmm. Um, nurses, classically, are just not as supportive of one another. I mean, for yeah. me, the, the model is always like cops. Cops, you know, watch out for each other. Nurses, not so much. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of backlash, a lot of like, oh, you're the impaired nurse. Um, when, if you are lucky enough to return to work or or get a job while in, in this monitoring program, for the first six months you're not allowed to administer any narcotics and you're restricted from working certain um, high drug areas like ICU, mm-hmm. ER, operating room. Yeah, most of us come from those environments, and it's the stress that got to me, which is why, you know, part of the reason I I used to begin with just to survive in this environment and dealing with all the critically ill people and the dying and trying to walk it off and just, you know, go on to the next patient. Mm -hmm. So you're restricted from where you work, and then, you know, it becomes open knowledge that you can't give narcotics for six months. You have to ask another nurse to do it, so everybody knows your situation. Mm-hmm. Your privacy shot, your HIPAA mm-hmm. doesn't really, you know, the privacy health privacy laws no, no longer seem to apply to us. But um, I've talked to some nurses that have good jobs and the, the, their staff, everyone's very understanding. Others, not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I've taken this time to try to go back to school to earn my nurse practitioner so I can get out of a hospital environment and just have an office practice. That's mm-hmm. also under... Um, the monitoring restrictions. If I, when I come to my clinical courses, I have to disclose my status and I have to provide the contract to my instructors. Wow. That I, yeah. Even you know though it's a clinical course where I'm not giving this? any medications. Wait, I'm you know sorry? what? This is, well, do you know that criminals don't have to go through this? Like, this, they've made it, and I, you know, I, I don't want to be like that this is a conspiracy theory, but. Like, the further I've gotten into it, if you disempower and make a whole country where everybody who has, you know, and some of the pilots, like a lot of the pilots I've talked to did what they call self-reporting, which they find out was a huge mistake. Mistake. Like, we're talking about people that did not get a DUI, someone who did not kill anybody, someone who didn't crash a car and hurt anybody, someone who did not crash a plane and hurt anybody, not a nurse who maybe put the wrong medication and wrongfully killed somebody. These are talking about, 
people in their lives were like average people who maybe joined AA 30 years ago. Oh, I'm drinking too much, and I want to stop. And they and they think they're just going to go to the support group, and they go to AA, and it's like rah rah rah, clap clap clap. That they don't realize that they are headed down a road that has that looks nothing like Alcoholics Anonymous does or did to the average Joe who went to a meeting on their own. That what's forced on the pilots, the three-page contract that was sent to me by Brent, uh, you know, is shocking. That your how much of your your life is violated in your privacy, and really, your it's more than this. It's your civil rights are violated yes. by the way that things are set up. So I think that the biggest thing that we can do is educate and get a group of people, get a class action with the pilots, get a class action lawsuit with nurses, class action with doctors. But it has to be in the media. Your guys' have stories have to be told. They have to be told in what way? Well, would we rather see stupid Snooky, some stupid shitty show about the girls on South Jersey or, you know, do we care about, you know, what's going on? But if you make it so that every young person cannot drive in Los Angeles because they all have DUIs, and every, you know, a certain percentage of brown people are incarcerated, and then all of you normal mm-hmm. guys, you know, are middle class, are upper middle class when it comes to pilots, right? Or, you know, pilots who have been doing it a long time, are made to feel like you feel, are made to feel like the doctor who was crying on the phone with me last week, who was ready to kill himself last week, or the guy who did kill himself and that Gabrielle is writing this story and she's talking to the parents of their dead children. You know, um, that you then, what's the word, not disenfranchise, but you make people incapable of, protesting for things that are wrong, for speaking out and and getting in their car and getting excited because you're fucking depressed because now you can't do your job. You have, oh, this is what, you've been criminalized. You are fucking criminalizing people who are not criminals. Like, it is a crime to get behind the wheel drunk and drive. Yes, we know it is against the law to do that, but that doesn't make you a criminal, and we are living in a society that this AA shit is so entrenched, Lily, that I, as I've made the film, the film is done, and it was going to, you know, finally in May, it's going to be seen in Europe and then seen here. But that, you know, all over the country, these motherfuckers got into medicine and never left and have actually stopped the development of real addiction. I know, listen to me, I'm not, yes. I'm not nuts. Like, I know there is some research that is going on and that has gone on in America about alcohol and drug overuse issues. But we also know that AA has virtually also stopped that by AA members getting sober and jumping into positions at NIDA and being our drugs are now. And this is not new. Like, you know, I was shocked that he got appointed, and I was shocked to find the AA meetings are being promoted on the White House website. But then to find out that you as a nurse, and that, you know, Jonathan is a pilot, and then there's another guy, that these guys were treated in a way that, Lily, if me or my husband or even my old AA sponsor was told that they had to fucking do what you guys are being forced to do, there would be 
no one sitting in a fucking Alcoholics Anonymous meeting. There would be no one because everybody went there. The whole big thing about AA in the early days was like, oh, come, you know, it's your, on your desire. You know, the only people are here because we have a desire to stop drinking. Take what you like and leave the rest. It's like, really? You can't do that. Um, you can't cherry pick the program like with um, holy books like the Bible. You can't just pick out the phrases you like and 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 work with those. And uh, AA is a very dangerous place. And I, I'm so glad that you've made that film, The Thirteenth Step. I've been Thirteenth Step. I mean, I'm a middle aged woman. I've wow. been asked for dates. I've been asked for money. Once I try not to disclose that I'm a registered nurse, I have had a person ask me for drugs. Can I get him any drugs? In the middle, I mean, this it's ludicrous. There's very, very dangerous people in those programs, and it's very clearly religious. You can't get past step three, or, or you can't do step three without a belief in a creator God. And making up your own God is just, that's just not right. <laughs> right. I'm with you. Um, there's, the no, there's no advice on how to stop drinking. There's no, now, like with smart recovery, uh, self-management and recovery training, I mean, do you have, do you have actual steps where you work on how to build motivation, how to resist uh, relapse, and, and concrete things mm-hmm. you can do? Here, mm-hmm. it really is a bait-and-switch thing. You come in a broken person. You come in ashamed, hopeless, you think you know, these people embrace you, but they've become very, very twisted. Um, and mm. it's not a miracle cure, and they're very dogmatic. There's absolutely no discussion about other options. And then my thing is that the I mean, treatment programs, ha- they have to disclose that there are other options available, all these other support groups. Mm-hmm. But they just pound twelve step recovery at people. Um, I, I think AA has harmed as many people as it's claimed to help. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, it's harmed a lot more. more. Yeah, I think that we're going to see. Like, I just want to put a, a shout out for the new Alex Gibney movie, uh, Going Clear, that is just being released. It's going to be on HBO. Uh, it aired. It played at the um, at the museum last night somewhere, which to a packed house. But this is going to help people leave AA, actually. Uh, going clear, uh, Scientologist, there's a similarity to AA. And I think once my film comes out, and even before that, I think that this piece that's going to come out in 10 days is going to be pretty massive storm. I think they have millions of viewers, um, uh, not viewers, TV viewers, but readers, uh, where it's going to be printed. And then, But I'm really, really glad that you're you're coming forward, you want to speak out, and we can strategize off the phone and talk some more. I really want to be kept in the loop. I told Brent to keep me in the loop, and anybody who's out there and listening, again, Brent Wyrock, and it's W-E-Y-R-O-H. Let me see if I can remember how to say his name. I'm going to pull it up here so I tell you right. So you go to Brent, and it's W-E-Y-H-R-A-U-C-H. And uh, you can go on his website, uh, hit him up on Facebook, but then go there and you can join. They have a group of lawyers that are putting together a class action lawsuit for pilots and hopefully are going to help you. Is that true? Are they going to help you? Uh, Yes. um, I am trying to drum up support among my um, peers, but 
people are afraid to speak out. You know, they they just you know, and I can understand that they just want to go through the motions and get their license back. What's really sad is I can see tell in my group therapy the people that are actually are getting brainwashed by AA because they're the ones that are sitting there uh, fearful, guilty, ashamed. Um, I mean, it, becoming the powerless that that the program says that you are. I mean, I'm every you have the power. I mean, I don't believe I have a disease. I believe I have maladaptive coping. I mean, I had a behavior problem. I started drinking to cope when I was a teenager and off and on through the years. Yeah, that was my default mm-hmm. coping. It's a bad behavior and that's what the whole twelve mm-hmm. step thing, they're making everything a disease. Gambling can't possibly be a disease process. All these other things, clutterers anonymous, really? Who have you harmed with your clutter? Uh, You know, unless you're hoarding and your house is falling apart and there's rats all over the neighborhood. You know, it's getting ridiculous. There's a 12 steps for everything, and it's it's just just brainwashing people and just taking away their, really stealing their souls, (laughs) their will to live. yeah, it's really well. I'm. I'm. I look forward to you and I talking again on the phone. I'm going to put you on hold, and there's another person in the queue. I'm going yes. to take their call. Yes. Okay, Lily. Yes. Lily, thank thanks you so again much. for. Um, thank you so much for calling in, and we're going to figure this out. And I had a little brief. I'll, I'll say this, and then I'll put you on hold. Is that while you were just finishing up, I thought of later on doing maybe some small YouTube videos directing them straight to nurses, directing them straight, like, hi, you know, I'm Monica, and I'm a filmmaker, and did you know that this is happening with nurses, and this is in violation of your civil rights, it's a violation of the First Amendment, and here's a lawyer who can help you. Do not, you know, and just something really short, and I think I'm going to do them, but I have to w- get to in, like, the next stage with the film. Right? I think that we could do something really cool. And even on my blog, great. on the front page, so we learn how to tag things. You learn how to get things so that when somebody, a nurse, puts something in Google, they'll find you, they'll find me, where we do a blog post, attention, nurses. And then we say, hi, I'm a nurse, and I was forced to attend Alcoholics Anonymous. What does this mean? Like maybe we could comprise a blog post that you write that I wrote with you. And we post it, and we put a big picture of a nurse, and then we tag it to hell, and then we share it everywhere. Let's do that. I'll work yes, on I'm it. I'm willing please. to do that. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so right. much, Monica. All right. Thanks then. so much, Lily. Okay. Take care. Talk soon. Good night. Okay. All right. So um, let me just uh, hold on a second. I, my little thing went a little weird here. Let's see. There we go. Hi, caller. You're live on the radio. Would you like to talk, or you want to just listen? I'd like to talk. Hi, Monica. Hi. Can you? Hi. This is your new friend from the state of Washington. Hi, new friend. Welcome to the show. I'm I'm glad that you called in. And ah, uh, oh, man, I, please, what would you like to say? Um, no, I, I was uh, I was reluctant to call in not because um, I intend to um, stay anonymous. I, I intend the exact opposite of that. I was reluctant to call in because I'm not sure I can keep it together. So if I don't, um, I may have to go suddenly and. And we'll touch base again later. I just wanted to to add a uh, doctor's perspective. I'm a physician uh, again in the state of Washington, and um, I'm so happy to have found um, support and voices of reason like you and all of the other people I'm becoming aware of suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact that I was completely unaware of any of this until very recently is, is, is I think, um, 
uh, telling um, the the efforts of the people responsible to suppress information and um, and and maintain their power by making sure that nobody knows what's going on is, is well they've been yeah. very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, just I'll try to be brief. Um, again, I'm a physician. I unfortunately um, made the uh, evil acquaintance of the Washington Physicians Health Program about five years ago. Um, the, the only reason. Uh, they knew of me as uh, I was suffering from depression, and I voluntarily took a leave of absence from work. And as a condition of getting back to work, I had to be monitored by by this um, agency. Um, since then, it's been it's been a, a difficult road for me. Um, I just want to make clear that, and and I want to first say that alcoholism, addiction, all of these things are extremely important. Um, and um, the fact that I don't have those problems does not mean that I don't understand what what people with those problems are going through. They're going through just you know a lot of what I'm going through. But um, you know I'm not an impaired physician. I was never an impaired physician. I uh, I'm not a drug addict. Uh, my only problem, my only crime, was my depression. And yet, the Washington Physicians Health Program was able to diagnose me uh, with addiction, um, which I don't have, uh, and they gave no support for that. They don't have to give any support for that. Unlike any other doctors in the universe, these people give diagnoses and do not offer any support to defend the diagnosis. It's it's quite remarkable. If I did that, I'd be sued for countless millions of dollars appropriately. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was I was misdiagnosed, and it was willful misdiagnosis. These people may be evil, but they're not stupid. They know that they're misdiagnosing people. They know they know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, they um, forced me to take a drug test um, after they told me I would not be having to take drug tests um, and which was contrary to the contract that I signed. Um, but yet they forced me to take a drug test. I'll never know why they did. They had certainly had no cause to do so. Um, and I, I had admitted to them and I admit to you and, and I freely admit that I had used recreational drugs. Um, mm-hmm. And I, and, and you know, that, that was something I offered immediately to them when they first got their hands on me. I never, I never realized it would have turned into this, but I was wow. mandated to go to. Uh, I'm sorry, if you want to uh, break in with questions, I, I don't no, need to no, ramble. I'm, li- I'm listening, and I think you should tell it because we do have time for you to actually tell you know quite a bit of the story. We have like 13 minutes left. I just went wow when you said, you know, it still it, it hits me in a way of how be, how horrible it is because what you're saying is true. So you have if a doctor did that in the real world. Well, what world are you in? Like, what world is this if it's not the real world, if it isn't real medicine? And what's happened and the reason that it's so enmeshed, it's so entrenched, it's so, I guess, I can't even think of another word, because AA has taken over, like, the medical community, like, without you knowing it. Like, even doctors think, oh, you know, like my neurosurgeon, and thank God he's in my film, you know, when I interviewed uh, Dr. Barkadarian, he was just shocked. And he said, you know, he says this in the film, like, you know, I was really shocking. And I was, I was told I had to go to an AA meeting when I was in med school. And I'm like, okay, we're going to stop that. Like, if, I, if yeah. I, I'm going to do that before I die. No, no more AA meetings in med school. Why is that happening? And he said he was really shocked by how, the religious nature. He said, he said that's very off-putting, you know, to people who might want to else get help. And now then I have another friend who is my neighbor who's an internist. And he said to me when he came to saw the, see the screening of the movie last summer when we had the first rough cut, he was like, Monica, 
like, I'm really shocked. And this guy's like my age. He's like, you know, over 50. And very, like, this is West L.A., and he's got an office in Santa Monica, and it's a very successful practice. He goes, I thought AA was like a nice support group. Like, that's it. Like, it was just like a group of people. And I was like, oh, man, you better not ever get into trouble. Like, what you, what I, I mean, but you know what, Dr. M, I'm going to call you Dr. M for right now, okay, just to keep your um, privacy. But it's kind of like, it it is so shocking how many people think that it's just this nice little support group, you know. And what happened to you, uh, you know, and I'm going to let you just, I'm going to shut up now and let you talk because I'd like, I don't want to reveal any, because I know a lot now because we talked for a long time the other day and I don't want to reveal anything else that you don't want to on the radio show. So I'll give it back to you. Tell us more about what happened to you in the story as a doctor. Okay. And the list of things to which intellectually honest people would be shocked here is endless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the problem is not that it's not obviously shocking. The problem is that intellectually honest people are not aware of this. And mm-hmm. WPHP and Talbot Recovery Center and all of the evil cultists who have destroyed my life will, to the death, um, suppress any truth because you know, the, the truth stands on its own. They have nothing to offer except suppressing the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, that are they're afraid, they're scared to death that this that something's finally going to happen. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was mandated after you know, testing positive for drugs. I te- my hair tested positive, meaning all they knew is that I had used recreational drugs within a three month period. Um, my urine was clean, of course. Um, anyway, regardless of that, I was forced to go to Atlanta to Talbot Recovery Center, Talbot Recovery Campus, whatever it is. It's, it's a horrific place. Um, and I was forced to stay there for, well, first of all, they told me I was going to have a four-day evaluation. I'm putting that in quotes here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> four-day evaluation, which anybody who's ever been to Talbot Recovery Center knows that that's a sham. They have no mm-hmm. intention of evaluating anyone. Once mm-hmm. they've got their claws in you, they have one mm-hmm. goal, and that's to get as much money out of you as they can. So they don't care that they're bringing in people who don't have the diagnoses, which they will give them and then not defend, and then no one gets to look at the record, so et cetera. Um, but anyway, I, I stayed for 90 days because that's what doctors have to stay for 90 days. Pilots oh, only need 30 so... days of treatment, but doctors, since we're so special, 90 they days, tell us we that's think so we're special. long. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry, I, I just special, have to jump right? in here. Like, that's nuts. Like, who doesn't have a well, life? Like, no one needs to Well, be it's not the 90 months. days, it's nuts. It's the, the fact that any other person in the world is has, you know, come to God and joined their cult. It only takes them a month, but, but we doctors are so darn special, not by our own claims but by their actions we're so special we need and by the way i guess some doctors not me but some doctors have money so let's get them three months you know Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i was i was i was tortured i was absolutely tortured nobody would listen to me i was told very clearly that you shut your mouth and what you say doesn't matter what you think doesn't matter we don't care you are here and this Mm -hmm. is going to happen to you and you have two Mm -hmm. choices you can shut your mouth and do exactly what we say and think exactly what we say and this will go a little easier or you can try to tell us the truth and claim you know you're not an addict? Well, that's just proof that you're an addict. Obviously, you're in denial, right? That's that's one of the tricks. Is Anybody who denies being an addict is automatically an addict because only an addict would deny being an addict. <laughs> it's so absurd. It's just amazing. And they and they do this with a straight face. The, the place is filled with these um, disasters of human beings who themselves were addicts and probably felons and, you know, came to God, and they're all very aggressive, uh, and they're bullies. Um, and, mm-hmm. and they, they 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 take great joy in, in inflicting psychological trauma onto people like me who could not have already been more traumatized. I didn't need any more trauma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I, I made it through. 
I, I was in survival mode. I was going to make it through. I thought, listen, I'm going to get through this. I'm just going to get my job back and put it all behind. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm what happened next, out of time. What's that? What happened next, though? I think it's there's too much to say. I, I, I want to... We're talking about years ago, and, and what I want to do is point out some things that may be unique to my case. I haven't heard other people talking, like as most people that I hear uh, who have been victims are fighting for their license and their professional career and all those things. Um, I have an active license. I I can practice medicine in Washington. Okay, I, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I've gained that back despite what they did to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think another unique thing is the Washington Physicians Health Program released me from the program three years early. Mm-hmm. Um, five years doctors have to sign up to this program. They, they released me three years early. Mm-hmm. And basically, that's, I think that's a a tacit. Um, Acknowledgement on their part that they had it all wrong, right? Uh, but but they don't have to defend that. They, they never gave me an apology. They never admitted any wrongdoing. Um, and I tried to get back to my life. I tried to get back to my life. I thought I'm going to put it behind me. I went mm-hmm. back to work, um, and I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it because another one of the excuse me another one of the big ironies here is they they take a person who is never impaired, force them through treatment they don't need for a disease they don't have, ruin them financially and professionally. And in my case, I am now impaired. I, they, they've created an impaired physician. Mm-hmm. They didn't have one to begin with. So I'm not working. I left my job three months ago, and I'm just kind of, I've lost all hope, and I don't know what's next. I don't. I can't go on not because I can't get a job. I can't go on because I've been traumatized. And it's changed me forever. I don't like who I've become because of what they did to me, and I, I that's where I am. You know where I am. I'm. Yeah, so I, I want to say something. One of the so there's a chat room in in this the way you know uh, on my blog talk radio, and Jonathan is his name, and he I know him. We, we've talked many times on the phone, and he's on Facebook, but he is a pilot. And um, this is what he wrote: the physicians involved in foistering this garbage on licensed professionals have been convicted of crimes such as stealing IV morphine from dying cancer patients, selling large quantities of date rape drugs, and taking improper sexual interest in young boys. There's no such thing. Um, so he was just saying that the people who then are overseeing all of you guys, right, including pilots, these guys, the ones who become, the, some of them, who become the psychiatrists who pilots have to go see are actually doctors who have fucked up or psychiatrists who have done really bad criminal things. They play the game, they buy into it, then they go to work at rehabs. And here's the question that I have for everybody who's listening, including you. What is the overseeing of rehabs? Like, who is, like, why are rehabs allowed to get away with not providing any real medicine? Why is it on my insurance? Value options is under the same category as a hospital. Who is the overseeing board of a hospital, and who is the overseeing board in every state of these rehabs where nothing is going on? Like, I want to read this. Before you answer that, hold on to that thought, because Jonathan also wrote this, um, if I can find it again, uh, about what happened. Um, Oh, let me see. Well, I can't find it. But, you know, the fact that when Carla Brada went to, you know, uh, Action Family back to then because it's really close to the story that I know, right? And actually a lot of the pilots have told me what they went through these places in Florida where they just go to meetings 
and they just, you know, they don't do anything but go have AA meetings or do 12-step facilitation. We're like, really? You have to write about the first step? Nobody in AA writes about the first step. Like, that's all made up cocky pock about, you know, what are you doing? That's not AA. And I find yeah. it really – so the way one of the ways is lawsuits after lawsuits. And then we have to take – somebody has to take down rehab for the for the for the the joke it is for there's nothing going on there yeah i agree um real briefly i uh, what at my quote treatment center for my quote problems and including quote impairment i did have to you know write a first step i had to you know do all these assignments and uh-huh. and i'm going to point this out just because i think it's it's amazing but nobody who's been through it would be amazed but any other anybody else would be amazed so i i did this thing and i refused to lie and i tried to i tried to find things in my life you know i tried to make the best of it yeah i'm not an, i'm not a perfect person so i'm going to use this first step to say i'm powerless over it. so i wasn't going to lie i talked about my depression i talked about my overeating and you know mm-hmm. my life i wasn't going right. to say things that weren't true just because they wanted me to well they looked at that and they threw it out and said, this is unacceptable. This is a drug treatment center. You will write about your drugs and the impact they had on your life. Okay, well, what if they had no impact? Well, you're in denial. Shut up and do it. So I was forced to write a, oh, a document oh. that was completely fabricated. Um, as to why no one's overseeing them, is because anybody who has the power to oversee them is a member of this cult and directly benefits um, ideologically and financially. They are mm-hmm. direct beneficiaries of the status quo. Um, and the others are either too scared or too weak of character to do anything. And then that re- that leaves 99% of people, that being the general public and even physicians. We are completely unaware of the existence of this. And that's one last thing I want to say because it's an idea I haven't heard before. We need to teach medical students, nursing students, pharmacy students, you know, all the people who are going to be exposed to this evil, they mm-hmm. need to be educated and know what's coming. Because if I just knew that this was possible, no, nobody could ever imagine that what happened to me could happen. And, and if I even knew that it was possible, they never would have got their hands on me. You know, I mean, there's no way. Yeah, I want to go to USC. Yeah. I, I met a young kid at UCLA, um, not at UCLA, I'm sorry, at an ACLU uh, fundraiser that I went intentionally to just see who I could meet at the ACLU to see if I can get some lawyers there and, and you know involved. And I met this young guy in line waiting to get a drink. And he was like, oh, you know, I'd really like to talk to you. And then we kind of lost contact. But that is my goal, to go with the film. And with speakers. So say eventually we could do what like AA does, where they have like their little stupid speakers go and speak at high schools. Well, that I take the film, but in each state where one of you who has been harmed, whether it's a doctor, a nurse, or a pilot, we go speak to med students, and you're my doctor. You know what I mean? Or whoever it is, we show. If we can't get justice, if we can't get justice, we have to at least inform the potential victims that there are potential victims because they don't even know. I mean, they right. know they're held to a higher standard, and they should be, but they do not know that that they can without any cause, and as directed by people who have very little education or are not qualified to have their lives and their profession ruined on a whim. And 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 they need to know that. Um, in the absence of justice, it needs to be out there, and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I want to thank you, Doctor M. And Lily for calling in. This is Blog Talk Radio, Safe Recovery. I'm Monica Richardson, and I'm your host. And next week we're going to have Adam Tatarski on, who's going to talk about harm reduction. Please go out there, get on Facebook if you can, and Twitter. Get on sites if you want to let me know where we can reach more nurses, more doctors, and more pilots in a way through social media. Please contact me at makeaasafer at gmail.com. 
don't be afraid of that email. It's a very old one from when I was in AA, and I just can't change it because I have you know too many people contacting me. I want to thank you again, Doctor, for calling in. I want to thank you, Lily. I know you're still listening. And everybody out there, Jonathan, who's in the chat room, everyone else, that um, we'll talk again, okay? We'll be in touch, and we'll see you all next week. And remember, we're going to change the world. We're going to change it. We're going to stop this. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week. Bye.